0: Hi, I'm Jason Klepa, and welcome to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. Typically, we dive into a business topic with someone who's in the fitness space, but today we're diving into a business topic with someone who's in the fitness space as an athlete, right? He participates in classes, but his core business is outside the fitness space in coffee. We sat down with Jared from Cat and Cloud Coffee out of Santa Cruz, California for an awesome conversation. What I'm really intrigued about is sitting down with different business owners and understanding how do they provide the highest level of care, service, and excellence in what they're doing. What could we learn from a barista, from a coffee shop that we could take into our gyms? Or perhaps you're an employee somewhere. What could you learn from this conversation that can then enhance your career path Jared had a lot of really interesting topics to discuss, including how he uses Disney as a, you know, true motivator for his business and where they want to go. I love talking about the Barista Challenge. I love talking about how they knew from the beginning that they're going to have a uh, partnership and how they were able to analyze financials ahead of time to know what they needed to do to get to where they wanted to go. Before we dive into the episode, just want to remind you, any gym owners out there if you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective session plans and programming, I truly believe we are providing the best product on the market and we would love to earn your business with a free trial. If you're interested, simply email collective at nc.fit or shoot us a message on Instagram. Now, with all that being said, let's dive into another awesome episode with Jared from Cat and Cloud Coffee. As we're, as we're sitting here talking in your coffee shop, what's most fascinating to me is that you're saying that no one else is going to put out a superior customer experience than you are, right? Your customer experience is going to be at the highest level, and that service is something that you strive for every single day. Yeah. And so, Jared, can you tell me, we're in Cat and Cloud, yeah. right? Awesome coffee shop. Tell me a little bit more about how did Cat and Cloud get started and- why did you decide to start a coffee shop?
1: Sure. Okay. So, I, you know, I've been in coffee for nearly 20 years and I had seen coffee progress. I had seen all this opportunity, but I also, I came from a place where people who were in charge of these businesses had a lot of fears. They were always, they. Almo- it's almost like they didn't see all the opportunity they had sitting right under their noses. They didn't believe in themselves enough to be the best they could be. And I'm one of these people who sees potential. I'm always... I'm always looking for potential, and sometimes that can be a pain in the ass for people who deal with me because I'm always like, next thing, next thing, next thing, right? right? But the long and the short of it is when you, after so many years, see what could be, and you don't see anybody striving to make it happen, and moreover, you feel like nobody believes it can happen, you finally say, fuck it. Like, I have to do something. So it really, truly came, like my business partner, Chris Baca and, and Charles Jack, we over a number of years, just talked about all these beliefs, philosophies, theories, ethos, all that stuff. It was all on the table and nobody was pursuing it. And we started finding ourselves pushing really hard in the places where we were, hitting brick walls or becoming a little toxic ourselves and realizing we need to take responsibility. Like we're becoming toxic team members for places because we're unhappy that nobody wants to do what we want to do. So how do you do what you want to do? You got to move forward on your own. And that's scary, but that's essentially like the short answer of why we decided to start Cat and Cloud. That's
0: that's really fascinating. So you said toxic, and I think that's a really, really good term. At times, employees become toxic, and sometimes they blame it on the company, which which is a lot of times true, right? But then they have to look inside and say, hey, why is this a toxic environment? And you're saying you were working at different companies leading up into starting your own, and they just didn't align on what the vision you wanted it to be. And so instead of kind of putting on the company, you put on yourself and say, hey, well, if I don't like it, let's go do something else.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm I'm not going to pretend that I didn't make mistakes and become minorly toxic at times. But I also was like, okay, wait a second. Like, I'm not going to be able to convince anybody here that this is really the best way forward. So I believe it. I'm about to just become passionate about it and connect with somebody else who might get with me and try this
0: thing. I love it. And so... You know, one of the things I like to talk about a lot is this idea of earned confidence Mm -hmm. and going into sport, going into anything, starting a business, you got to kind of earn your confidence from getting in reps. Now you competed as a barista. Um, You also had a ton of experience being an operations officer for Mm -hmm. a coffee company before you started your coffee company. So did that help your confidence kind of getting ready for that? Because how many years were you in the coffee industry before you had this, not epiphany, but before you said, Hey, I'm ready to go out on my own. Yeah. So
1: yeah, uh, competition definitely helped. It helped a lot in the context of refining craft. It helped a lot in terms of networking, connecting, establishing myself as somebody to pay attention to in coffee. Uh, it's it's hard to compete. Uh, you obviously know in a different sense because you're physically pushing your body. Uh, in Bruce competitions, it's essentially a live cooking show. So you're you you have 15 minutes at the time. It's changed now. 15 minutes to prepare 12 drinks for four people sitting there while there's three people standing right beside you judging everything you do. These presentations not only need to be about the quality and the accuracy of your delivery about the coffee, but there needs to be a reason behind it. You can't just go up there and tell everybody you've got the best coffee on planet earth and then you have to talk about like why it's important for somebody to connect with a farmer, why you connect with this coffee. Like what is what is some philosophy and ethos you have so yeah i started there that was great and it was really helpful it allowed me to really hone the technical aspects of my craft yeah and, practice and so are speaking. you making
0: just on the competition side because i'm not very familiar i'm Fair. sure a lot of people listening aren't familiar either on the competition side you're you're mentioning you have to make a number of drinks are they like cappuccinos
1: lattes yeah. are they just a variety cool so yeah it's it's four espresso beverage straight up espressos four cappuccinos and you have to create a signature bev- beverage without alcohol. So, I mean, we're talking in depth stuff. Like I was using uh, g- gastro cooking shenanigans. Like I was, I, I congealed a fake coffee cherry with cherry pear and, and, and apple juice and set it on a foam bed of espresso and then had like a little sidecar of espresso and molasses. And it was like all the characteristics of this coffee and this like, drink and bite and it, like it's intense right wow yeah, yeah yeah so like i got to explore craft on this really fun deep level where there's a lot of creativity which i believe everybody needs to be able to create something creativity is like in our genes so there was that i've always been creative but then yeah you learn um because of that you kind of get opportunity people start talking to you, you start to, to learn you start to see what's out there you start to hear people's approaches and i always had along with my business partners kind of approaches that fell out there to people But to me, they felt totally tangible and achievable. And uh, the combination of that and then helping start. So I was the original employee over at Verve Coffee. So we moved over here in 2007 from Chico, California, where I grew up, to start this cafe and roastery. And all of a sudden, because of my belief in what we could be, I also worked three months straight without one day off from 5 in the morning till 10 at night, along with the owners of that place. Because I was just like, "This is we're going to change the world with this cafe. And so there's, there's some resilience that was learned there. There's going through like the hardest time ever. New town, no friends, work all day, every day. And then working that place with these people to make it f- go from one store up to... I think when I left, we were at like six stores. I was head of retail in Northern California. And, and there's just like a lot of learning that goes on there. You know, like everything you see, if you're open and you're paying attention is a learning opportunity, yeah. which I was taking. And then I was also saying... We shouldn't be doing that in my mind. We shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be doing that. That's not working. We're missing opportunities here. And so I got also, fortunately, even though it was hard as all hell, I learned what not to do.
0: Yeah. That's super fascinating. You know, I get asked a lot, Hey, I want to open up a gym. What would you do? And I said, well, the first thing I do is become a coach and learn everything you can from the owner of that business and take what you like and, you know, incorporate into your next business Mm -hmm. and take what you don't like and leave it behind. Amen. And it sounds like you were able to do that kind of like you're almost Get, you know, getting paid to go to school in a sense, right? I mean, you're right. doing a lot of hard work, of course. No, you're right, though. But, but you know, I, I want to just pivot real quick on the, the barista competition. If you take, like, the fitness space, and let's just say you go out and you go win these local competitions, you become the fittest person in your area. Yeah is there people that you've seen do these barista competitions that, that are successful mm-hmm. and then they try and go open a business and they fail? Most do you of think, them. Do you think that just because you win a competition, it gives you the right to go and open up a business? Or do you feel like the reason why you were successful so far in your business is because of your business background, not so much the, the, the barista stuff, which is a fun competition?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, there are a number of businesses that were started by ex-champions that are not in business anymore a lot of these people that are have been super popular work for other people whether they like it or not so yeah barista competitions give you exposure they give you some credibility that you're able to do something on a stage that's not the work that goes into any of this right which is something that is probably a lot of why we myself my business partner are famous in coffee we're famous because we always went in there and we're like this is not... Re- we, we were p- preaching this. like This is not real life. This is something that anybody could prepare to win and you can't take these exact skills and go be successful in what we do every single day. And we don't think it's fair for anybody to idolize these human beings, including ourselves, as end-all, be-all champions of coffee when they're actually not as rounded as they could be. Right. And that is not a knock to anybody who's able to compete because there is... There are people who are amazing at competition, better than I am, for sure. Great. But that is being good at something, not everything. Right. You know? So right. you're 100% right. I learned more from the school of hard knocks being paid to pay attention. And I happen to be one of those people that pay attention and have a lot of imagination and vision around things.
0: Now, you decided to go into business with uh, two other partners. Yeah. And I was listening to something you said. You said that you felt like everybody should go into business with a partner. I do and feel And it's way. interesting because I... I almost feel the, well, I don't feel the opposite. I feel like you need to know what you know and know what you don't know and make sure you have shared vision and make sure you have clear, concise expectations between the partnership and long-term goals. Mm -hmm. And you could have a very successful partnership. I've also seen some go really bad because they're not set up from the get-go with clear expectations, clear vision, and who does what and what their roles are. So how have you guys been able, because I mean, I just met your partner, it seems like you guys have a great relationship. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to set it up from the beginning? Did you have a clear partnership formal agreement? Do you have that? Plus you had kind of like these side conversations. What type of things, if someone was looking to open any type of business, yeah. whether it's coffee, fitness, whatever, if you are going in with a partner who has different um, strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. do you recommend that? Do you recommend everybody have the same strengths and weaknesses? And mm-hmm. how do you recommend setting up that structure? Perfect. Okay. So. I
1: think you should have partners if that is right for you. So you're totally right. If Different businesses, right? I am I definitely caveat. I go straight for service mentality businesses, sort of similar to mine that are kind of retail focused, right? Right. So there's a lot of weird niches to this, right? You've got coffee quality, you've got business development, you've got strategy and growth and and marketing and all these things that need to work together. And they have to work together everywhere. But certain businesses, you're right. You might be able to fully run it by yourself. Now what you did mention about strengths and weaknesses I would always match up whether it's a business partner or if you're going to go out it alone you need to find people that can step in and are naturally talented interested excited in the things that you are not right so you can get a round right. approach right yep. so it's so 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 important and then to that third third thing you said about you know operating agreements who's in charge of what yeah we have that that's all on paper and ownership and all that stuff like it's all it's all in a contract and then on top of that, put in the time beforehand. It's so easy for people to take money from an investor that is really good at talking about how they believe in the person. And sure they might, but you might get into business with this person and, and realize that the path they think you are going, they, they assumed you were going to take to success is not at all what you pictured. And man, if that's the case, you're in for a shit show of, of conflict. And if you're in conflict, then you're not able to focus on the people or the business. And if you're not able to focus on those things, the whole thing goes to shit.
0: That's such a, yes. We've had situations in the past where we're spending more time trying to learn how to deal with each other and communicate instead of focusing on the business and growth. right? And what kind of things did you do getting into the partnership that you think every business owner should do? Meaning did you guys sit down and just kind of like have the birds and bees conversation where shit just got really uncomfortable? I mean, wh- what kind of things did you do where you kind of took to the next level to ensure that you guys were on the right path? How long did you guys know each other before you decided to go into business?
1: Oh uh, yeah. So my, the business partner, Chris, you just met, we've known each other for gosh, years and years since like 2005. So he and I are already deeply aligned. We always have been. We actually worked together at Verve and we were told that we couldn't literally work together because quote unquote <laughs> you won't be able to your friendship will fall apart which will affect oh, our business okay okay which wasn't true we'd ever believed it was true but that was what happened so he got sent to business development wholesale and i got sent to retail in uh, northern okay. california but um yeah we charles came we knew each other let's see 2013 was charles we opened in 2016 so three years with charles you know 10 10 years with chris And we did those hard conversations. You know, we got to the point where there's, you know, been tears from everybody, like all that stuff. And the biggest thing I can say about all that stuff is prior to ever deciding to open a business, you get all of your personal values down, find out where they align in the context of what business you're going to run, get those on paper, and then say, how are we going to do this thing? Because then you're already starting on like a we agree. Right. You know, and then we had... An operating plan vision. So I've we've learned since that a vision for us is a lot different than an operating plan. And I think a lot of people insert operating plan into the word vision and think they're the same. They're not to me. So we had an operating plan of, yeah, we're going to do four stores and have a roastery that does wholesale. And that's going to allow us to self-fund and do whatever we want. Because all three of us are not married to coffee alone. We have a lot of other dreams and aspirations. And I fully am one of those people who you get the right people, and you get the right alignment, and you get the right dreams and focus and expectations on the table, and you f- you can do whatever you want. If we need a teacher to teach us how to do communication in the future, there's right. no way in hell I'm not going to keep that on the table. A teacher doesn't get paid that well in the world. Maybe they could get paid that well to make sure that we retain and communicate in like, the next level. And that's just an idea. but it- Right. All ideas like that are on the table in our company, and we knew that from the beginning.
0: That's really great. And one of the things that you and I were talking about is the Disney way. Was actually, It's actually a book, but you're talking it. about Disneyland, yeah. right? And Disneyland, I'm so fascinated. Every time I go with my kids, the every person I meet just seems genuinely passionate about the brand mm-hmm. uh, Disney. And, yep. and Disney is a unique situation because people grew up with it, mm-hmm. and it's just such a heartstring. Now, you're trying to bring that Disney mentality where your customer service at the highest level. hmm What types of things are you doing with your team? Because very similar to our team, we actually just came here, went to the ocean as a team and kind of did like a leadership event to try and dive deeper into these core values as a business Mm -hmm. because we want them to be exuded from the top down. And we believe people feel that when they come in. Now, for you guys and your guys' coffee shop, what type of things are you doing with your team members to bring forth that, quote, highest level of customer service in any coffee shop in the world? Oh, my gosh, bro. That is where
1: my team lives the most. So what I mean by that is we seek external education for one, because you can't learn everything on your own. So yeah, I've actually been to the Disney Institute twice. I went to employee engagement classes and leadership development classes. We take people from our team with us with the plan of creating something when we come back. Uh, So we do that, but we dive very, very deep into podcasts, books, connecting with other people to network to learn specifically. And it's it's always the same, right? It's gleaning information from things and people that are very successful and finding ways to make it work in the way that it works for us. Yeah. So that is truly like I just met with Kristen Hudson who also happens to be a CrossFit coach at, at West. She's my head of skills development and she's creating all of our training modules content, which is a mixture of videos, which is a mixture of, you know, physical like trainings. It's it's just every single way possible that we can get these messages, these overarching messages, mission, vision, value stuff to sink into every single aspect of our business, the better. And we're working extremely hard on it in all facets.
0: Yeah. That's a constant struggle for us and a constant improvement, right? It's always ways to get better. And the bigger you get, the more challenging it becomes. Yeah. So you guys went from one location to two locations Mm -hmm. and now you have on the table more to come. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about You know, I think what you're trying to say is what makes you guys different is the experience you're having inside. But what I'm fascinated with is that tonight you're leaving for Honduras to go source your beans and you're really taking it. You're not just saying it's a customer experience. You're also saying, hey, we need to have some great coffee, too. Yeah. And so what types of things are you doing to ensure that your product itself is, I mean you're going to meet the farmer tonight. I mean, uh-huh. where does that drive and passion come from to just kind of take this thing to a whole new level? I mean, You just, was that from years of working in the coffee industry and seeing that there was so much potential? Cause I mean, you seem fired up on it. I mean, yeah. I'm fired up on it because you're fired up on it. That's good. <laughs> I'm fired
1: up on it. It's all relationship building. It's yeah. all, so literally, I mean, people, people often don't realize, but our mission at this company is to leave people happier than we found them. And I think when you do that, then you inspire them to be better. As simply put as that is. So yeah, I am excited to go to Origin to connect with, we have three farmers that produce our coffee over there. But last year, Damien Chavez, one of our people, he's producing a majority of our coffee from Honduras. He, we just find out while we're there, like, okay, he needs some equipment. How much does this equipment cost? It costs 600 bucks for an equipment that'll ch- like. If he sells us all this coffee, next year he's going to buy it. And I'm like, wait a second. With basically one day's worth of work for us, I could buy this dude something that will help us and change his entire year and he can save whatever that amount of money is for him. So we went and bought him a deep pulper on the spot. And we're like, here's a gift. Like, this is a relationship building opportunity for us. You're a young and upcoming farmer. Your coffee's amazing. We want to establish a relationship with you that will actually help you grow and and, and grow your life and your holistic side of this thing and it also improve, improve your quality. So it's like, it's my responsibility, our responsibility to help people improve as well. as We don't just expect them to do it and then when, when you're ready, we'll like continue this relationship and move forward. Like if right. we go into a relationship with you, we're here to support you as well. We're partners.
0: Well, and, and you brought that up earlier when you're talking about kind of being open book with your employees about how the financials are of this location and doing things like profit share and, Mm -hmm. and potentially even equity, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And that that takes a big person to start off with and say, Hey, we're going to leave this much aside for potential profit share and, and potential ownership. And that's something that you've said has been able to help keep retention high. Yeah. And so in the fitness space, we have coaches that a lot of businesses, they come and go. Right. And so has one tool been, and if you were to do it all over again, can you tell us a little bit more about how you, how you, the financial structure and yeah. if you were to do it over again, would there be anything you would do differently as of right now?
1: Yeah. As of right now, I wouldn't do it any different. It's working and the belief is there and the work that comes out of these people who believe is insane. So like we have such an amazingly overly talented staff. I have multiple people with master's degrees. I have people who left teaching jobs to work here. I have people who are more than pre-med, like far along in pre-med who are just like, this isn't for me. I want to do something that means something. We've got crazy amounts of talent here. So to, to me, it was like, okay, cool. If you have this talent and they reach a ceiling too quickly, they're going to go somewhere else. Or how do you find ways to retain them? How do you find ways to, to help them to continue to grow and to understand that their impact is a lot bigger than a job? Right. So I, I wouldn't change it. It is hard. It's different. It allowed, I mean, it made, yeah, my income lesser than it, than it could be. You know, like the fact that we do send people... Every time I, I go to Origin, like we're selecting... We have four more people, two more to Guatemala, two more to El Salvador at the end of March. That cost of a ticket and some food in Central America, eight, a thousand bucks a person. Like they come back with an authentic story of who they met, what we're doing. They helped select our coffee. They have a positive impact on our company. Yeah. We've trained them to taste the coffee. They get to do stuff that only owners and green buyers get to do. I'm putting quotations in the air people. <laughs> because and and what happens is this. True authentic storytelling from behind the counter of what they saw so that you'll want to buy the Honduran coffee, not because we're bullshit salesmen, because like this is they, the true story. And they feel it. And it's real. Yeah. It's hearts and minds, which is also a Disney thing, but it's a thing.
0: Yeah, I, I, yes. And so, you know, for any gym owner out there or any business owner out there, you're talking about the, the core values, talk about the customer experience. Um, in regards to knowing when to open a second location, knowing when to open up a third location, what gave you kind of like the confidence to go out there and, and, and now pursue two more locations? When did you know it was the right time?
1: Mm, we knew we were going to do that before we opened, no matter what, for a number of reasons but really it came down to four stores is going to get us a sustainable salary for Santa Cruz. Four stores is going to allow us to pay our people well, the leadership and, and everybody, but you know, to allow that pay scale to go up and not just be like a coffee shop job. But what makes me confident in that is all the intention we put in before all the intention in our orientation, all of our ability to communicate what it means, how to do it, why we do it so that it's sinking in and people can answer these questions for themselves and know that like, We have an acronym. It's called CASE that I made up. It's Courtesy, Accuracy, Show, and Efficiency. And they can every day on the floor self-analyze and say, am I doing a job? How courteous am I being? How accurate am I being with all these systems and things that we have going on? What kind of show am I putting on? Because you're on essentially a stage. You're you're putting on a show in there. 100%. And then am I doing all this efficiently and moving people along and and not wasting their time? And if they can say, I'm crushing it, I'm crushing it, I'm crushing it, I'm crushing it, they don't need somebody else to come in and tell them that a lot of the time. They can self-navigate. They can have autonomy. They can grow. And they can be themselves. So for me, I'm like, I actually equate CrossFit gyms or gyms in general that do CrossFit-like teaching. To cafes, it's a place where all of us go, we all get taught something, and we all get to be ourselves and do the same thing together and, and high-five somebody you would never kick it with ever in your life, and moreover, bond with that person and so walk away with like new friends.
0: I love what you just said. So it's CASE. Yeah. CASE, uh-huh. C-A-S-E. Mm-hmm. And I, that's really interesting, that's, that, and that's, that's something I... I I like that a lot. And so I, I just want to, one more thing. Mm-hmm. You talk about, hey, when we started off, we, we knew we were going to do four locations. Yeah. So how did you evaluate that? So you looked at the financials, you said, hey, if we have one shop, yeah. we'll be able to make X. Well, there's three partners. Yeah. You know, that's not going to be able to provide for a living. So you knew going into it, you set the financial model up that you knew you had to get to these, these, this small. I think that's really interesting. because a lot of gym owners and people in business, they'll get started, but they never think about, hey, what? Does the financial align with what I'm needing or wanting? Right, mm-hmm. like if I open up one store, yeah, is that going to provide for three partners? And it sounds like you guys came out from the get go saying, "Hey, we need at least four stores and a roasting area." Yeah, that's really fascinating. And mm-hmm. so, how did you guys? Did you just one of your partners is really financial minded? Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, so it's really cool. So yeah, Charles Jack, he came off way back in the day, like Wall Street when he was young. So he went straight to Wall Street. Was a analyst trader and that lifestyle is the worst and he's first to admit it so you know he he got out of there and he actually fell in love with coffee working with NGOs in um Sudan and so he ended up helping write the first grant that allowed Sudan to sell coffee after their revolution so like they were only doing oil he wrote this grant Nespresso picked it up Sudan selling coffee he was a big part of that he fell in love with coffee that way and yeah, he was always, he's just great at numbers, right? right? Loved coffee, but he didn't love coffee from the cafe first. And then we all connected that way. So yeah, he's financially sound. Chris and I both understand business, I'd say, better than most average business owners. Right. You know, like I know what levers to pull. I can read the P&L. I can see where we shouldn't be spending, where we could be optimizing, whatever. I'm, I'm good at that too. So like all of us working together, we've you got knew. like the Triforce, you know, That's like true. the thing. It
0: works. Superpower, power. And so now with your guys' coffee, you guys roast your own. You have your stores. Do you guys sell it? Um, I mean, I've purchased it elsewhere. yeah. So I know you sell it through retail stores, but do you also sell it online? Yeah, we got wholesale. We got online sales. We got subscription service, all that stuff. So if someone's listening right now and they're, they're, you know, they're excited about your guys' story, they want to support Cat and Cloud. Yeah. Um, by the way, the name, Cat and Cloud, yeah. why is it Cat and Cloud? Cool.
1: Yeah. So yeah, catandcloud.com to quickly answer your first thing. That's where everything is, uh, including links to, I, we have a coffee podcast. But so Cat and Cloud, rad. Chris and I are competitors. We're doing really well from some like basically 2006 through 12, we are barista competitors going from the bottom of the pool to the top of the pool, like every year improving through that process. He was actually working in San Francisco, and in 2009, he was having some crazy life transition stuff, and I convinced him to come work with me at Verve. So he came over, and we started doing coffee blogs, and started talking about our perspectives, and started talking about like not just following the coffee leaders because they're saying do this, like have good reasons behind it. And we started this blog. People started following it, and this girl, actually the owner of the French Press, Julia Mayer, and her husband Todd, they they were enamored with us enough that she drew these weird characters of chris and myself and did an art show in her cafe of just like a number of characters like chris is a lobster and me is a portafilter, just like weird stuff yeah really cool art and the actual picture that you see on all of our bags was one of the pictures him chris is a cat me is a cloud and we liked it so we're like can we put that with our blog our original blog was truebaca.com jared truby chris baca truebaca.com with that cat and cloud we're going to figure out our name can't figure it out bunch of crappy names a couple of okay names and chris's wife's all just call it cat and cloud you've already been that for six years almost now yeah and it was so like revelation like oh yeah obviously and we called charles immediately because we'd he'd been saying no to a lot of our other ideas and he's all it was just like one of those things you know when you know yeah. you're in flow state something happens it's just like snap yeah that's it and it was it just like where most of my big life decisions come it's like stuff's happening it's time go and that was it was one of them. So here we are. I and love that. it wasn't coffee. That was the other thing. It's Cat and Cloud, not Cat and Cloud Coffee. Ah, on so later on down the line. More. Yep.
0: Yep. And, yeah, wow. So it well, was all planned. Jerry, I got to tell you, man, I've really enjoyed this conversation and, and even our pre-conversation. And I think for anybody that's interested in coffee, you guys should definitely go check out catandcloud.com. And um, I'm looking forward to grabbing a bag and I'm going to use it on our next uh, uh, Cough with Khalipa" podcast that I put out. And so uh, thank you very much for your time. And uh, everybody, I hope you have a great day.
1: Yeah, take care y'all.